It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. It's Live in the Bream with the host of Fox News Sunday, Shannon Bream. We are going to start a series of looking into what is the subject of my newest book, Love Stories of the Bible Speak, out March 28th, available for order at any time. But it not only looks at the romantic love stories, because the Bible does talk about sex and romance and marriage and all of those things, but I wanted to look at the love of friendships as well and community and how that can be so sustaining in our lives and is such a critical part of um, our walk. I mean, God calls us to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind, but our neighbors also as ourselves. And that includes the ones we don't really feel a lot of affinity with. <laughs> but um, but we see through you know God's relationship to us in the Bible, through friendships, through community, that there's a place for us all to find each other. And so I have today a special guest with me who is a New Testament scholar. I'm so excited we have him on this topic. And he is also a pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, an author himself. His brand new book is called Body of Proof, The Seven Best Reasons to Believe in the Resurrection of Jesus and Why It Matters Today. Jeremiah John Johnston, how are you? Shannon, I am just blessed, and it's great to hear your voice, and I am so excited to talk to you because you are a phenomenal author, and I have Mm -hmm. uh, not only a wonderful wife who's a Christian thinker, but our daughter uh, is a teenager, so I can't wait for our daughter to get a hold of your new book, so I'm just thrilled to be having this discussion with you. Well, thank you. Um, Folks should know that you've authored some amazing, very helpful books out there, too. And so I'm glad we both are putting some good things out into this space, really at the same time. And I had reached out to you to see if you would come talk about one of the chapters in my book is about Paul and his friendships. And you being a New Testament scholar, I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm so blessed to have you with us. Um, Because sometimes I don't know that people think that the Bible has a lot of lessons for us on things that are just everyday parts of our lives, including friendships. And Paul has so many unique ones, and they were really at the foundation of the church. I want to start with the the person I put as a first friend in my book for him is Ananias. And Ananias doesn't necessarily (laughs) want to be his friend. He's afraid of Paul. Tell us a little bit about Paul and why Ananias was not thrilled when God said, go be friends with him. Well, it's so it's so relevant to what you're writing about, especially for our today in our culture, because there is a growing number of men, Shannon, who have no friends. In fact, there's some really, really interesting sad. research coming out um, by Scott Galloway at NYU. One in seven and the numbers growing one in seven men. And many of these men are retired. You know, they've had success in life. Their, their kids are married. One in seven men have no friends at all. So you could not have your finger more on the pulse of the culture today and that the scripture reflects the power of the gospel in friendship. And when you look at none other than Saul, who became Paul, listen, um, what was Paul like? like before he made these new friends, especially uh, especially the one that you've just referenced. Paul was a murderer and Paul did not value women. Um, he was narrow minded. He was uh, he was misanthropic. He didn't really like all of humanity. And yet he has this encounter, as you say, in the chapter of your book. And I love this because Ananias looks at him and says his first word is 
brother Paul. And the fact that he could call Paul his brother, I mean, think about that for a moment. The man who had, who was known as a murderer, who is requesting to murder more Christians, and the fact that Ananias would have him not only, not only say brother Paul, but host him in his home. Um, wow. No wonder this phileo brotherly love took hold in Paul's <laughs> life. And it was truly dramatic. It was a dramatic experience. And we miss the bravery there and Friendship does equal courage at times, as you've just pointed out in your monologue, to point out and say, hey, this person, I'm going to be their friend because Jesus has taught me to love all of humanity. Paul meets the risen Christ, and then he has this immediate friendship in Damascus, and it's a beautiful story of friendship, and it's also a story of courage and friendship. And why do you think, as we look into this and some of the other friendships we'll look at with Paul, why do you think that today men are struggling so much with connecting with other men, people that, you know, we need support in our lives. We we always hear iron sharpens iron. We need accountability, but we need support like this world is a tough place, whether you have financial struggles, career struggles, family struggles. Why are men lacking this connection with other men? I think there's a variety of reasons, and I think one of the one of the most stark reasons that men right now do not have friendships is because they see themselves through the the value of the workplace or the value of the provider for the family rather than just being valued for who they are and who God created them to be. And we have not we have not modeled this well in, in Hollywood. We've not modeled this well, the power of friendships and brotherhood. And this is something that, you know, people people because of historical distance, Shannon, they don't realize how the Christian movement broke all the friendship barriers. I mean, when you see that, you know, the, the closest competitor to Christianity in the first century was the cult of Mithra. It was a male only cult. And and Christianity, to, that was its closest competitor. Now it's things like secular humanism. But back then, um, we see there was so much cultural fracture that, that wow, the, a church that was accepting of all, of all classes, of all people, and that encouraged fellowship or what you would call friendship between these different quote unquote classes of people. Remember, 40% of the Roman Empire were slaves. So mm-hmm. Paul has this experience, and make no mistake, it is an experience with the risen Christ. The first time he met Jesus, it was the risen Jesus. He goes and then he gives us the greatest passage that that introduces us to friendship, Galatians 3, 28, that in that in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. We are one in Christ Jesus. And again, Shannon, because of our historical distance, we don't understand that's almost seditious in the Roman mindset to say you could be friends with anyone because of God's love through us in Christ. Yeah, I mean, he had such a radical turnaround to be somebody who said, um, yeah, we've got to reach everybody. We've got to have open arms to everybody and that there is no distinction between people and classes and genders and all of those yes. things. Um, it's it's kind of mind blowing, especially when you give it that context. One of the other friendships that I talk about in the book is his friendship with Onesimus. And that one doesn't yes. get a lot of attention. People are like, who? No. <laughs> but I think it illustrates yeah. what you're getting to about um, you know, him being a slave and how Paul came to view him as a brother in something much more than a piece of property or someone to just be ordered around and used to get things done. I mean, to view him as a brother in Christ. Tell us a little bit about their relationship. 
Yeah, when you look at Onesimus in, in the cultural day, I mean, Caesar's Gallic Wars created over a million slaves in the Roman Empire. And when you think about the fact that Ephesus, you know, many people listening to your program right now have been on perhaps a Bible lands tour to the city of Ephesus. It's beautiful, but Ephesus was the slave trade capital of the world. It was the second largest city in the Roman Empire. And when you think that Paul goes and he sees Ephesus, he sees the the disgusting nature of the slave market where the younger the children were, the more valuable they were. They were literally like cattle, stock. They were sold uh, for the quality of health, teeth, etc. And when you see that Paul says there's neither slave nor nor free, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, we're all one in Christ Jesus, he then carries that out with Onesimus, his brother, his friend. And we see that Christianity has this wonder. I mean, it gets me choked up when you think about it. I mean, because we're just, we don't understand today. We think today the world's hopeless. We think that people are so divided. The gospel and friendship in the gospel brings us together. And to call Onesimus his brother, wow. I mean, that was unheard of. And again, we just don't realize that today. No Pharisee would say those words. But in Messiah Jesus, in Christ Jesus, we are all equal. And this became one of the reasons that, I mean, that shook, that Christianity shook the Roman Empire. I mean, Rome was a slave machine to its core. And the fact that Paul would say this, um, it would have considered to be outrageous in its time, but it obviously took root, so much so that later in the book of Acts, this is the message that's turning the Mediterranean world upside down. Yeah, to break down these barriers and to do what, you know, uh, my my new book's called Love Stories of the Bible Speak. But there's this theme all through the Bible about God's love for us, how it's unconditional, it's overwhelming, it's for everyone. And we are then not just supposed to keep it for ourselves. We're supposed to share it with other people. And it's supposed to impact the way that we see everyone as equal, as created in God's image, as worthy of his love and attention. And so much of the New Testament is actually pretty radical when you look at what happened with Paul. But even Jesus, you think about his relationships in that time where women weren't, you know, elevated and respected in the same way that men were, even something as simple as being a witness in a legal dispute. And certainly not their ability um, to, you know, stand Um, in the gap with religious teachers and all of these different things. And yet what we see with Jesus was um, respect for these women. They were part of his ministry. They were um, allowed to learn with him as esteemed rabbi. Like Jesus was pretty revolutionary along with Paul. Big time. And again, you know, when you think about Luke chapter, Chapter eight, verse one through three, again, friendships. I know we're jumping around. Jesus has female friends. Again, he's a rabbi. Normally rabbis wouldn't have female friends, but Jesus does. And these are females, Shannon, who are well-respected. They have financial means. And so they support Jesus's earthly ministry. And guess what? In Luke chapter 24, they're the same women who are the first eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. Here's another, you talk about friendships with Paul. Think about think about Phoebe, Shannon, and I can't wait to read your book, by the way. Um, You know, you think about Phoebe. Phoebe is only mentioned one place, Romans 16. But do you know that Paul selected his friend Phoebe, who is his in Greek prostatis, his benefactor, to carry the most important document ever written, which is the book of Romans? Paul did not ask a male. He asked Phoebe to courier that letter 400 miles from Corinth to Rome. And it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't like our Amazon drivers who just drop it off, take a picture <laughs> and leave. 
Phoebe would have stood up there as if she were Paul himself. And she would have read, I mean, can you see it in your mind's eye, this great friend of Paul, Phoebe, who is reading, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, you know, Romans chapter one. And remember, it was churches in Rome. They were all house churches. This was so powerful and it would have, they would have never seen anything like this in that day. But Paul got that from Jesus and make no mistake, there's also a cool little connection. I'll just throw this tidbit in there. Paul becomes a Christian in the early 80s, 30s. And what's the first friendship that Paul makes after Ananias? He goes to Jerusalem in Galatians chapter one, and he meets with a guy named Peter, the apostle. And then he meets with James. He spends two weeks with these two new friends. And remember, James did, wasn't a Christian. He didn't believe his brother was the Messiah until <laughs> after the resurrection. And wouldn't like Shannon, I hope we can time travel in heaven someday. Okay. Oh, because yeah. I want to go back to that two week vacation that Paul had with his two new friends, his two new buddies, Peter and James, where all they did was talk about the things of God. And I'm sure that's where Paul was reinforced, like, oh, no, Paul, the gospel's for everyone. It's for women. It's for children. It's for slaves. It's for people that are not considered Jews, so Gentiles. And that's why your book, Shannon, is so important. And we have lost this message, and we need to recover it today in the church, the power of friendship, that we don't believe in isolation. We believe in community. It's so important because it was so critical to the early church and everywhere that Paul went, he had different friendships for different seasons that were about helping to spread the gospel and build the church. And he found himself in all kinds of different circumstances. But I want to talk to you about his friendship with Barnabas, because just like our earthly friendships, they don't always run perfectly and smoothly and we never have spats and disagreements. Talk to me about Paul and Barnabas. Well, Paul and Barnabas traveled together to the island of Cyprus on the first missionary journey. And, you know, he was this encouragement. And Barnabas, every time we meet him, he is celebrating the work of God in someone else's life. So, I mean, I want to be a Barnabas. I want to celebrate how God's working through you, Shannon. I want to celebrate how God's working through my friends. But they did have, they came to an impasse. I mean, Paul's second missionary journey, and there's a message in here for us, was a total disaster. He and he and Barnabas have a falling out over this immature kid named John Mark, who, by the way, again, it's just such an interesting. This is what I love about the Bible and what I'm going to love about your new book is the Bible does not hide us from embarrassing narrative. This is one of the reasons we know the Bible is true. The Bible does not shield us from humanity. And the fact that Paul and Barnabas, even though they started out with such a great friendship, there were times that Paul had to put up barriers. He had to put up boundaries and he felt like John Mark was going to hinder his ministry, and Paul was right. And they agreed to disagree over it. And so God brings mentors and friends into our lives for seasons. And then sometimes those seasons change, and then we meet new people. Paul, Paul, uh, who does he meet on his second missionary journey after he separates from Barnabas? He's in, Tro- he's in Troas. He's looking for Titus, but guess who he meets? He meets a new friend by the name of Luke. So God knew what he was doing there. And by the way, he reconciles with John Mark. And so there's some really important messages for us that God does bring great Christian friendships in our lives. Sometimes those are lifelong friendships. Sometimes they're not. And we praise God for how he is in control of those relationships in our lives. We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 
how critical is community to the church now? Because, you know, we've had a couple uh, of years that some churches um, were like, we're meeting no matter what. Others took a brief yep. pause. Let's figure out how we can do this safely. Others, um, they were under local governments. And I, I'm here in Washington, D.C., that for months, if not a year, they were not allowed to meet, at least right. not legally. And um, I got to tell you, it was one of the hardest things for me during COVID. I think we all struggled with so many different um pains and losses and fears and anxiety but to me not to be able to go to sit in church in the pew on sunday sing worship songs together pray through this terrifying time together i really found how much my church community meant to me and how difficult it was to stay away from each other so you know some churches have said and thank god they went online i think that reached so many people who were searching and afraid but how do we now emphasize community in the sense that we are doing life together we are sharing our ups and downs and how critical that is how we saw that throughout the new testament and what it means for us today well shannon this is a whole nother conversation and i thank god for your strong stand for christ by the way through all of this through all of what has transpired over the last i mean you have been such a rock for christ and that's why well, we i feel like he's been my rock but thank you um, <laughs> he's thank been you, mine though, for showing us Thank you for showing us what it means to be a Christian thinker. Thank you for showing us what it means to stand for your faith and add what what Paul said, cosmetics to the gospel. You make the gospel attractive in your winsome ways. But I agree Thank with you. you. I totally agree with you. Um, I wrote a book called Unleashing Peace that came out right during the pandemic about shalom mm-hmm. and the peace of God. And one of the things that you know people don't realize the peace of God, the word shalom shows up 576 times in scripture, but it's not something we experience in isolation. In fact, the worst punishment a human can experience is isolation. When That's why we have prisons with something called solitary confinement. And when you look at what happened to believers when we were separated, the world did not get better. People's mental health did not improve. I mean, it, it just it, it, it's almost so easy to point out now when you look at the tragedy of anxiety, especially among young people um, that are so racked with anxiety right now, and then they've gone to these social media platforms that are like silent killers there is a there and and i think the message in this for our for our friends who are listening to us right now when it comes to friendships and community we have we need to make sure i mean online church i totally agree with you praise god we had something but make no mistake don't ever let anything keep you from assembling with a group of believers who pray who love on you there are times i'm weak that my brothers in christ are strong for me shannon mm-hmm. and then there are times that i'm strong for my brothers and sisters in christ when they're weak i'm, I'm reminded of uh, mark chapter 9 you talk about a friendship when the dad was so burdened, he looked at Jesus and said, if you can do anything, can you help me? And I love Jesus' question back, if I can. <laughs> right, if. <laughs> and, and, and the dad responds, oh, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. And there was a community there around him. And so many people are listening to you right now, and they're in that space of, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We, when we come together in community, we suffer together. We believe together. There is a power in collective prayer. And then here's the really cool thing that I studied, just practicing the ministry of presence. And that's what we lost. Um, we lost during COVID. And thank God we're back now. And I thank God for my pastor, Jack Graham, has said, no matter what, he will never close his church again, which I think is so smart, so wise, because we saw the devastating effects of what happened to society with 
without the church. And I, I think about community and adversary. Like I'm sure you know you you were a Christian thinker when you think about Paul and Silas singing together mm-hmm. after they had been whipped and beaten for their faith, probably. Um, you know, hearing drops of blood from their body, having been abused for their faith, and yet they're singing there as brothers in Christ. They're not alone. They're worshiping. And and what I love how Acts says, and the prisoners were listening. Yep. Yeah. And listen, thinking about the friends that we have and that we need to be, knowing that you will walk through very difficult things and to have those people with you in the fire. Literally, I do have another chapter about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like literally in the fire. (laughs) We all need friends like that. And Paul had friends through the most difficult circumstances. And there are so many more. I feel like I couldn't even jam them all into this chapter. Um, But I thank you for helping us to get through some of the highlights of some of these friendships. And, uh, you know, I think you're right when we think about um, that the church needs to put a priority too on community and friendships and, and what it means to supporting our spiritual growth and just our walk through life. Um, I really appreciate you joining me to talk about Love Stories of the Bible Speak and also your brand new book, Body of Proof. Jeremiah Johnson, I can pick <laughs> your brain, kind. I feel like, for days. Um, so thank you so much for just giving <laughs> us a few minutes of your time and um, we'll continue this conversation. We got a lot more to talk about. Absolutely, Shannon, and congratulations. I can't wait to pick up the love stories of the Bible. I can't wait to read it because, you know, my life wouldn't would be dramatically different without the friendships God's placed in my life. So thank you for thank you for highlighting a very important aspect of the Bible that I think has been understudied. So way to go. Amen. And God bless you. Listen ad free with a Fox News podcast plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad free on the Amazon Music app. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.